Welcome back to the Relentless Minds podcast. I am your host, Lori Jimenez. I created this platform with a sole mission, and that is to inspire people of all backgrounds to create the change they wish to see in their lives and in the world by sharing the examples of those who are. As a listener, you will hear the stories of ordinary men and women with extraordinary stories of overcoming adversities in order to experience the life they dream of. All of these individuals share a common interest. They desire a change for the better, and they are in a relentless pursuit to create that for themselves. If you're looking for inspiration to overcome challenges in your own life, to create a life that you desire to have, then you have come to the right place. You see, the truth is, people everywhere are fighting for what they believe in, and together, with relentless action and mental strength, I have no doubt that we can fulfill that dream. Welcome back to the Relentless Minds podcast. This is your host, Lori Jimenez. For today's episode, I'm going to be highlighting refugee entrepreneurs in America because their strength, resilience, and ability to adapt and prosper has completely fascinated me. I'll be sharing the personal stories of three refugees who decided years ago that they were not going to accept a life that they were unhappy with and took the actions necessary to begin creating the life they wanted. What many people don't understand about refugees is that they do not relocate due to personal preference. In most all cases, they are forced out of their countries due to unsafe and life-threatening circumstances. In fact, refugees love their home country and wish they didn't have to leave because they leave behind memories, family, and culture. They have to travel into unknown territories not knowing the language nor how to navigate in a new environment. It is without a doubt a hard transition to make but they are surprisingly able to pull through and assimilate very well. Although the first five years are pretty rough as refugees become accustomed to a new environment and they usually require assistance through resettlement agencies, by the fifth year, they are mostly well-off and independent. I covered the experience of a refugee named Aidan Batar a few episodes back who fled Somalia during the Somali Civil War. If you would like to hear more about the struggles that he and other refugees face, and the political climate towards refugees today, please go back to that episode and give it a listen. It is significant to recognize that after refugees have properly settled in America, they begin to thrive. NewAmericanEconomy.org stated in their economy analysis that in 2015, refugees alone earned a total of $77.2 billion in household income, of which they contributed $20.9 billion in taxes. Just as interesting is the prevalence of entrepreneurship among the refugee population, where NewAmericanEconomy.org also revealed that there were more than 180,000 refugee entrepreneurs in the United States in 2015. That means that 13% of refugees were entrepreneurs in 2015, compared to just 11.5% of non-refugee immigrants and 9% of the U.S.-born population. You heard that right. Of the entire U.S.-born population, only 9% are entrepreneurs. That goes without saying that these refugees are pretty incredible people to take on the feat of starting their own business in a country they know little about. This is why I was so curious to learn more about these people and the reasons why they have so much fight in them to live a better life. For today's episode, I interviewed three female refugee entrepreneurs who are managing profitable small businesses in Buffalo, New York and have been running their businesses for more than five years. We all know that starting a business is a lot of work. The amount of challenges one must endure is enough to intimidate even a natural-born citizen. We are all aware of the common challenges of starting a business, which includes having or finding capital to fund the business venture, properly managing our time, effectively planning and executing our goals, 
and having a sound vision for how to scale. Refugees, in addition, must also face even stronger challenges when they pursue a business venture in America, which can be a lack of formal education and a strong network, language barriers, and a lack of knowledge of the local market and regulations. The fact that the individuals that I met were able to start a small business and scale it to the point of being profitable is little short of a miracle. I was interested in traveling to Buffalo to feature this story because I found it extremely inspiring that many of these entrepreneurs had left war-torn countries, navigated their way to America, and still had the courage within them to try to tackle the feat of starting a business in a foreign country where they did not know the language nor have the resources. I also wanted to learn more about the programs Buffalo had integrated to help support these entrepreneurs in their effort to start their businesses. It was fascinating to me that there were programs in place to help these groups and came to learn later that there were millions in funding by the state of New York set aside for these community programs. Talk about a great example. In order to get this story and make these interviews happen, I had to make some connections first. A key organization that I had the pleasure of working with to make this story possible was WEEDI, or the Westminster Economic Development Initiative. WEEDI is a nonprofit organization based out of Buffalo, New York, that has the mission of reducing barriers to success and opportunity through economic development, community building, and education. Established in 2006, the staff and volunteers of WEEDI have been working to empower economically disadvantaged people in Buffalo, New York. They believe that empowered people can transform their community. What I love so much about the mission of WEEDI is that they focus on the potential of the disadvantaged groups in their community. Instead of dismissing them as incapable or a burden, they aspire to provide the tools and resources needed for these groups to flourish. I sat down with the director of the West Side Bazaar to learn more about the implementation of the programs at WEEDI and specifically how the West Side Bazaar helps their community grow. My name is Bob Doyle. I'm the Community Development Director for WEEDI, which is the Westminster Economic Development Initiative. Um, and our overall mission sits really just to kind of better the quality of life of Westside residents. Um, but we really have a focus on economic development in the neighborhood, specifically in areas that have undergone a lot of blight and disinvestment and trying to kind of work with people in those communities to really bring entrepreneurship back online and really bring some commercial districts kind of back to life. So we actually have three different departments. Um, we have our community development department, which I run, um, which is mainly the West Side Bazaar, which is our small business incubator. We have 15 businesses here right now, um, nine restaurants and six retail shops. We have worked with over 40 businesses in this space over the last eight years. Twelve businesses have graduated and moved out of the bazaar to open their own brick and mortar enterprise. Um, and most of them are still open. We also have an economic development program, um, which mostly focuses on micro lending. Uh, we do loans from a $500 credit building loan all the way up to a $20,000 loan for small businesses. And we work mostly with people who don't have access to bank financing, either because they don't have good credit history or they don't have any credit history. Um, so we try to kind of fill that gap and step in and help finance businesses that can't really secure financing elsewhere. Um, and then we also have an education program that works with English language learners from elementary school all the way up to high school. Um, the last one they run in education is our Girls Club. That's a Saturday program, um, and that's mostly for girls who come from communities. We're talking about changes in their body at certain points in their life are really taboo. 
Um, so it's just kind of a safe space for them to talk about like what's going on with my body, um, what's going on with you know X Y Z or boys or whatever they want to talk about. It's all student driven. They get um, free bras and then they also get emergency kits, um, which have like feminine products that they might not have access to or otherwise really know about um, without the program. All of these services that the Weedy organization offers the community are absolutely incredible. I asked Bob Doyle to tell me more about the services they offer budding business owners at the West Side Bazaar. Um, so really the main goal of Westside Bazaar is just to provide a space that's safe and affordable for someone who wants to test entrepreneurship or try their own business. A lot of the entrepreneurs we work with here, um, and a lot of refugees in general, were used to a certain standard of living back home. A lot of them were professionals back in their home countries, um, but unfortunately the degrees don't translate and they don't really have the opportunity to pursue that, uh, that profession when they are resettled in America. So someone like Nadine, for example, who worked in a bank in Iraq, or Mathane, who runs Moon Lady Arts and Crafts in the back here, um, was an English teacher in Burma. Ronnie up front here at Zygmunt Naturals was a nurse in Burma, so people were college educated, um, but because these degrees are not viewed as equivalent here, they would end up becoming like a hotel maid or a fast food worker or just kind of falling into low wage employment because they don't have the English skills or the equivalent education here. Um, so really just helping people open businesses is another path to them to be able to set their own measures of success and kind of hopefully reachieve that standard of living they might have been used to um, before being resettled and really just kind of setting their own economic path here. Um, so I think that's probably the most important service is really just kind of helping people get things back on track. It's tough to start over again, but if this is something you really want to do, um, then we try to support in any way we can. I asked Bob what were the main needs they met when it came to assisting these refugees in starting their businesses. I'd say the main way that we support people would probably be through um, like workshops and trainings that we do. So we'll hold trainings on marketing, on booth design, on how to read or write a PL statement, on how to make a budget, on pretty much anything that really goes into a business. And then in the beginning stage, when they're getting ready to move into Westside Bazaar, we can help them with the permits they might need to apply for. What licenses do you need? Um, how should you incorporate your business? Are you somebody that's going to be sole proprietor? Should you maybe think about being an LLC? Like little things like that that most Americans wouldn't know anything about um, and probably don't exist in a lot of countries either. When I first decided to feature this story, I reached out to Bob Doyle, the director of the West Side Bazaar, which is a community development program under the Weedy organization. And he helped me by agreeing to connect me with some of the business owners that worked at the Westside Bazaar and facilitate interviews with them. I got the honor to meet and interview three wonderful women, Zelalem from Ethiopia, Nadine from Iraq, and Julianne from Rwanda. A fascinating detail I learned was that most of the small business owners were women as well. They had families and dreams for their children to live a better life in the U.S. and get a proper education. My goal going in was to find out what had they experienced in their home countries that made them want to, or need to, travel to the U.S. What were their hopes and dreams? And what was it that they were working towards and made all of the struggle worth it? The first person I interviewed was Zelalem Gemeda. She owned a food business at the West Side Bazaar that served authentic Ethiopian food. I started off by asking her what had caused her to leave her native country, Ethiopia. I left my country because of political situation. At that time, there was 
a conflict between the government and the people. It's affected me a lot personally uh, because I uh, lose my father because of the conflicts, because the government and the people. And that's the only support we have for the family. And when he's sent to prison, there's no any income. So that make a lot of problem for the, my family. So I, I have to take care of the families that's why I left my country. And not only that, because I don't want to be live in that country at that time because I was devastating, so I have to go far away from my country. That's why I decided to go to Yemen. The story behind the death of Zalalem's father was that due to corruption within the political structures in her government, her father was targeted because he held an important financial position and there were certain people that wanted him removed from that position to replace him with a more dishonorable individual who would play puppet for the government and aid them in their plans. When Zerelem's father refused to back down, he was instead jailed and ended up dying while imprisoned. He was the only living parent for Zerelem and her three siblings. Her mother had died years prior. Zerelem was 15 years old at the time, and she immediately had to take on the role of caretaker for her three younger siblings who were three, five, and seven years old. I asked Zalalem what it was like for her to be thrown into this position at such an early age. It was a lot of challenge, but I love it, that challenge, because it makes me to be in this position. Because if I, do, I didn't see that challenge, I wouldn't be in this position now. So, uh, But it's a lot, because being a refugee in uh, Yemen wasn't easy, and I was... Uh, going to school to learn uh, language because to survive the life, it's new language. And I learn uh, computer and I look for a job. And after that also I st start business, even the business is not in my own name, with other person name. I use another person name to get license. Since women weren't allowed to have their own businesses in Yemen, Zelalem opened her own business under a male name so that she would be able to run it and manage it. When she first arrived in Yemen, Zelalem and her siblings used the money their father had left to them as support for a few years until Zelalem graduated high school and got a job to support her younger siblings and her older sister who was in college. Zelalem lived in Yemen for 12 years and then came to Buffalo with her husband and kids. I asked her what inspired her to move to America. Mm, my kids' education, that was make me worry when I was in Yemen. So in Yemen, uh, there's no chance to go to college for kids when they finish high school for foreigners. Also, my son, he was in middle school at that time. So I was worrying when he finished high school, how is going to be? What's gonna he's doing? You know that was I'm worrying. So I was always wish to get better school for him. So to go another, even in my own country, to go back in my own country to attend in college. But uh, my husband was a former naval, so he get resettlement to come to America, and my dreams come true because that was my dream. Education is my 
trajectory. I was curious, so I had to ask why education was so important for Zelalem and why she cared so much to provide that opportunity to her children. I love education and uh, also my father, he was an educated person. He, he gets his first degree from Italy and second degree from here. So that was, I grown up from that kind of family makes me to be love educated so I couldn't do I couldn't get for myself that opportunities but I wanted to get that opportunity to my son and my kids when I came to America I am so happy for getting that opportunity for my kids at least I asked Zelalem how she felt living in America and being able to fulfill the dreams she had and I asked her to tell me about the food business that she has at the West Side Bazaar called the Bisiania Ethiopian food my life is good in America because it's a, a free country, you know, with my past experience in Yemen. When I compare that, it's I just like feel freedom in here. So uh, I love it to be in here. I'm blessed. And I had my business, which I um, uh, like to do it because... I like doing this food business. I have Ethiopian ethnic food business, and when the first time I opened it, in Buffalo, they don't have that much experience about Ethiopian ethnic food. They are familiar with Chinese or Thai kind of stuff, but they don't experience Ethiopian food. I have a struggle for the first time to get customers because they never try. Also, I'm advocating everywhere about business, marketing everywhere. So now people, they love it. So I have more customers right now. So I'm glad. Zelalem had been running her business for six years now. And while I was doing her interview, during lunchtime, I saw groups of people lining up to get their fill of her authentic Ethiopian food. I asked Zelalem what her plans were for her future in business and family. I wanted to develop more knowledge of how to run a business and to open uh, Ethiopian cultural, represent cultural uh, restaurant in, for the buffalo. That's my dream. I have no doubt that Zelalem will put in the work necessary to realize her dreams. To wrap up her interview, I asked her if there was anything else she would like to say, and she opted for offering some pretty sound business advice. Uh, people, they, I know they like to start business and they scare, especially food business. But uh, uh, I mean, I'm encourage them to try it, but to have experience before they opening their own business to have be hired somewhere to get more experience. Because business it takes time to develop customers to get profit and people they don't understand that when they open they expect profit within six months but there's no profit especially maybe sometimes in a year so they have to understand that but there is no scary text patient and time to be success that's why I wanted to be encourage people to start business an interesting statement from Zelalem during her interview was that she expressed a sense of gratitude for the hardships she faced in life because, like she said, 
they made it possible for her to be where she is today. I was inspired by her dedication to face her challenges head-on and to take responsibility for her life with every hurdle she faced. The next person I interviewed was Nadine Yusuf, who ran Makrame by Nadine at the West Side Bazaar. She was a refugee of Iraq who had to flee from three countries due to war and conflict. Despite her troubling history, she was so full of happiness and kindness. I'm Nadine Yusuf. I'm from Iraq. I have been here five years in U.S. Just after a couple months, I start my business in West Side Bazaar. I decided to leave my country because I have to. The decision, the, the situation there, it was so bad. Not only the war, it's the, there's something is worse than the war, the civil war. It was not safe. You feel worried every day. You don't know what will happen next day. So you don't think about like education or future or anything. You just worry about to be safe. You just want to be safe and keep thinking about the kids. If they just leave the house, what will happen? One day my kids went to school. It was the last day for them to go to school. And when they arrived there, there was a front, someone shot and, and they are in the middle of the school. When the kids saw that, they all screaming and leave the school. I, I was on my way to like shopping and I saw my kids outside the school. When I went there, I said, what's going on? They say, there's a body, a body in the school. So all the kids, they are like freak out and they running from the school. So this was the last time my kids, they went to school in Iraq. At that day, we decided to not stay anymore. It's not safe even inside the school. So we decided to be leave the country and be a refugee, apply for us be a refugee. We went to Syria, we stayed there, and while we are there, the war started in Syria. So the UN asked all the refugees to pick another country, stay there till get the visa. So we went to Turkey. I, I, we stayed there six years, and then we went to Turkey for two years and then we came to U.S. So we leave the country in 2006, and we arrived to U.S. in 2014. I asked Nadine what it had been like for her and her family to have to travel from country to country, never truly feeling safe because of the wars. It's not easy to wait all this time to just live a life like a normal person, normal life. It was hard, but we, you know, when you are in the middle of the problem, you keep thinking about how you fix this problem and get out from it. It was very hard to decide to leave your country, leave all your people, you like grow up with them, leave everything behind you. Leave your house, your car, your your whole life. You leave everything and start a new life. You have no idea about it. When we went to Syria the first time, we rent a beautiful apartment. But you know, for six years, living outside your country without work, we start with good life. But every year we getting like down. After experiencing so much struggle, I asked Nadine what she was hoping for when traveling to the U.S. When we came here the first day, we were so happy because we know we will start a new life. And if we work hard, we will make something. And that's what happened. The first day we came here, we start looking for a job. We don't want to stay at home. So even the kids, they start looking for a job. 
Now all my kids, they have a job, they are in the college, and I'm so proud of them, what they did, because they have school, they are very, they doing very well, and also they have their job, they have, their, they have like their own life, they have a car, they, they doing very well, I'm so proud of them. Nadine has been building up her business called Makrame by Nadine since she came to America in 2014. With the help of the West Side Bazaar, she has been able to dream and provide a better life for her family. I asked her about her dream to start a business and what she does. I'm doing makrami. Makrami is the name of art. It's like uh, crochet, but doesn't need any nail to do it. You can do it by the hand. And uh, I also offer classes when like someone sign up. Also, before that, I teach the kids on after school on Buffalo West Buffalo Charter School. I volunteer there to teach the kids for one year and a half. You know, I'm doing makrami when I was just like 13 and I never get chance to do it as a business when I came here it's like I brought a dream to my new home I can do it in Iraq but I'm not sure I, I will be success it's not that much support women business I asked Nadine how she personally felt the West Side Bazaar had helped her in establishing her business Oh yeah, they helped me a lot. They helped me to set up my business, make me feel safe and comfortable, make me feel also when I'm like I have to do something, I don't need to be worried because I know who the person who will, I will go to ask him, how can you help me with to do that? However I get idea to, to make something, I know there will be someone to help me. That's make me feel like really uh, comfortable and happy and not worry. When I started the business, I didn't want to get a loan because I don't have money. And to start the business, you have to get a capital for your business. They offered me the WD to get a loan, but I don't want to get a loan. So I start job and business at the same time. And every time I get, I start with just one item in, in the bazaar because I don't have money. And then every day, uh, every week when I get my paycheck, I bought more robes and make more stuff. So I have now two booths. I don't have any loan. I'm very well. <laughs> well, I'm good in math. I have bachelor's degree on aesthetic science, on mathematics. So I'm good with, with math. Nadine now has incredible plans to grow her business and has a big vision for what she wants to do moving forward. To her, anything is truly possible, and her ability to dream big was very inspiring. I'm work on um, like graduate from Westside Bazaar and have a, a store and also offer classes so maybe can do the classes also with the store and maybe one day like my long goal is to have a small school to teaching this art and also I will let you know I get my citizenship last month it was the big moment for me now I can travel, I can go to different countries to bring more stuff because I'm also on, uh, I own another booth that's selling um, my tradition stuff from Arab country. So now I can get just to tra more traveling and get more stuff. Nadine had the perspective in life of staying positive. She preferred to look for solutions than to dwell on the pain of her circumstances. This mindset, along with an innate resourcefulness, allowed Nadine to make the prudent decision of funding her business through her own income. 
she decided that although it would require a bigger sacrifice in the beginning, at the end it would all be worthwhile. These are also very important qualities to be able to move past challenges with your head up, as Nadine so effectively showed through her example. The next and final person I interviewed was Julianne Niranjishi from Rwanda, who owns Julianne's boutique at the West Side Bazaar. She sells handmade crafts, paintings, clothes, and other items from her native country and others. Julianne had to leave Rwanda after the genocide in 1994, since it left the region where she was living in bad condition and life was unsustainable for her and her family. Julianne, like many survivors of the Rwandan genocide, preferred not to speak about the experience she endured, and instead we talked about her transition to America, her business, family, and dreams. Julianne did not speak enough English to carry a conversation, so I asked her to answer my questions in her native language, Kinyarwanda, and asked a friend of mine, also from Rwanda, to help me translate it to English afterwards. It was a roundabout way to do an interview, but it worked. I learned to paint from my brother, who went to a school of art in Rwanda. My brother made some paintings of buffaloes, elephants, and other forms of paintings that were very interesting and attracted people. I wanted to follow in his footsteps, and I learned how to paint as well. Having this artistic skill helped me when I got to America, and it helped me even when I had the difficulties to learn the language. But I knew how to work with people and how to live with people. Even when I was in Rwanda, I was social, and this same characteristic helped me when I got here to work well with others. After the genocide that happened in Rwanda, life was really hard. When I moved here to America, there was a big difference. I had to recover from what I went through, and I had to pray a lot. And even though at the time I wasn't working, I was praying. Prayer played a big part in my big life change here in America. This helped me as well to have peace of mind and peace in my heart. Here the life is very good because Americans care to help older people and we get health insurance and medications. So life here in that sense is quite different from Rwanda. I am already old now to dream much of my own future. But even if I was not old, the only dream I would have would be that God would keep helping me in the way he has so that I can keep helping people and work as I do. Another big part of my dreams are for my kids to finish school and have a better life in the future. When I came here, I brought my children, and two children are now in college and the others are in high school. I have one who is doing electrical engineering and another one who is doing mechanical engineering. My younger kids say that they want to go to medical school, so for me, I want them to be successful in their dreams. When I met a woman who traveled a lot, we decided to make a partnership and I expanded my business. When she goes to Thailand, East Africa or India, I asked her to bring me more products to sell in my business like scarves, handbags and other unique clothing items. It was a turning point in my business when I started selling items from these other countries and not only from Rwanda. I actually got advice from someone here at the West Side Bazaar when he saw the paintings from my brother that I was selling. He said that it would be better to have diversity in my business. So that gave me an idea to bring from Rwanda more cards, handcrafts, and other artistic products from banana leaves for people to buy as gifts. That is the reason why today, during the holidays, I sell more items than others. Moving forward, I have a plan to extend my business because those who help us suggested that we grow our business and become standalone shops so that we can sell more than what we are selling right now. 
Even though I am living comfortably with this business, I am worried because I don't know if once I stop doing this, no one else will succeed me. My kids are in school and once they finish school, they will pursue other dreams. This is a big reason as to why I am trying to partner with this other lady so that she can hopefully take over this business later on. It is true that Westside Bazaar has helped us through the connection of the church. We are happy that Westside Bazaar made the change in our life and in this area that we are working. It used to be an area with many bar businesses and many people drinking. They helped us to bring change in our lives as well as making a change in this community because people see things that they couldn't see before and it's improving the area. Even the people in the area are changing. Now you see that they have the new clothing from different cultures. The West Side Bazaar has helped us make this change. Frankly speaking, I can tell you that West Side Bazaar did a lot to help us grow our business and make it a success. I can't find the words to tell you how thankful I am to them and to God to have helped me to grow my business. Julian, at 70 years old, is still working and thriving with her small business. I am in awe with her ability to do so without knowing how to read or speak English. However, this to her plays no factor as to why she cannot live her dreams. Despite having faced one of the most horrific events in the history of the world, she still keeps her faith in God and gratitude in life present in her mind every day. Julian works hard because she wants a better future for her family, but at the same time she lives in peace and gratitude, knowing that she is on the path that's meant for her and she trusts that she will be fine no matter the turn of events she may face. What Julian also showed me was that she was open to opportunities and growth and constantly looked for ways to get ahead. There is a lot that we can learn from these incredible relentless women in being able to push past tribulation to create a life that they desired, a better life for themselves and their families. Zelalem, Nadine, and Julian all had the correct mindset and perspectives needed to pick themselves up time and time again and keep moving forward. It was no easy task, but they were committed to not giving up. Every day was a new opportunity for success, and every hurdle was a new test of strength. I am thankful to Weedy and their Westside Bazaar for the work that they do in their community to help give those in need a second chance of happiness and independence. And I am honored to have been able to have the opportunity to learn from these women and share their stories of strength and resilience with all of you. And I hope that their examples also inspire you to keep working towards your dreams. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and feel inspired and would like to be a part of the Relentless Minds community, you can join the movement for change on Instagram and Twitter. We would also love to know how your experience has been as a listener. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another powerful story. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.